welcome to The Messy Corner. This is episode two, and we are going to pick up right where we left off at the last episode. Remember that word I couldn't remember for the medication that I started taking? I remembered probably right after I clicked submit on episode one. I was on Copaxin, which is the three times a week shots, which... I'm not sure if you've ever given yourself a shot, which I know that there's a lot of people that do, but it is hard the first time. I had to do it manually, and you have to make sure you're not going to hit any veins. You're in the right spot. You have to choose different spots each time. It was not easy. Um, I had the auto-jacked after a little bit, and that was much easier. Basically, it felt like a bee sting each time that I had to give myself a shot. It, was, it wasn't fun. Um, now that I'm on Ocrevus, I do those every six months, um, and it's in an infusion. I just did the rapid one last time. I think, you know, generally speaking, when you're doing Ocrevus, you're sitting in a chair for about, you know, four to six hours, depending upon what kind of reactions that you have. And the rapid, I think I was there for two and a half, which um, was so much better. (laughs) And I was able to get out, get home, and rest fully each time. So now that I'm there, I, I don't mind going in every six months. So, you know, the first year was really difficult. Um, I had been diagnosed. It was one of those things where you're like, do I tell work? Do I not tell work? It's protected, but people talk. There's so many things that are going in your head. And at the time, I was a director for talent acquisition at GE um, Digital. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where I literally would go to work and sometimes leave for lunch. I lived a mile away, which is fantastic. And I'd have vertigo. I'd throw up and I'm sorry, (laughs) probably didn't want to hear that. And then go right back to work. Um, And there was a time as well where I went to work with, um, you know, my, I was on steroids. So, and I had to go in and, and get those done. So I literally went to work with an, with an IV in my arm. Um, and no one knew. I, I think I hit it fairly well. I think people who really knew me probably saw a little bit more of a rundown, um, person coming to work. But for the most part, I, I was scared to tell anyone. Um, I, I didn't even announce it on social media. I didn't talk about it very much. I think there was just a few people in my close knit group that knew, um, and it was one of those things where I just had to get through it myself that first year. Um, dating, <laughs> whole other story. I think I'll save maybe a couple episodes for that. Um, and But as far as work relationships and friendships go, I, I was actually off social media that year entirely. I had this weird sense of, hey, I just want to take a year off and Lo and behold, that was the year that I got diagnosed. I think it was for the best. I didn't have to worry about feeling like I was looking at Facebook every day and I was holding some sort of secret. I think that, you know, let me ask you that question. Do you, have you ever had a secret that you just couldn't tell anyone and it kind of ate you up inside and you weren't sure who to tell, who to trust? 
um, and how you were going to go about it and if people felt like once they found out that you were lying to them, um, it, I was going through all of those emotions. And I, I think that's probably something a lot of people can relate to, not just about medical stuff, but really anything in life. You know, there's things that you feel like people are going to judge you on. And it was, it was hard to, to keep that. Of course, my family knew, <laughs> everyone. Um, and, you know, I have to give thanks to my mom who would fly and, and be there with me any, any chance that she got. This was something that, you know, I really needed that rock. And she, she was definitely that rock for me that first year. 365 days. That's an entire year. I, I keep thinking about that year and the ups and the downs, the lows, the highs, and how I went through my emotions and what that felt like. You know, there's one thing that, you know, everyone is talking about now, and that's your mental health. And, you know, I I feel like there's still a little bit of a stigma, but, but people today are talking about it a lot more. I think five years ago when I was diagnosed, it was still kind of that thing where people don't talk about it. And mental health and MS go hand in hand. And I started to feel myself having these roller coaster vibes. And I was already on a roller coaster with the vertigo and the spinning and the dizziness, but my mind felt like it wasn't my own anymore. And I think that you don't just have to have a master or something to feel that. So a lot of people go through those highs and lows and mediocres and, and how am I going to wake up today? How am I going to feel today? And I really started to to go on that probably towards the end of that first year. Um, and I ended up going to UCSF, which is um, where a, a major um, multiple sclerosis program is. And they're the ones that put me on Ocrevus, which is, hey, we want to keep you more in that gradual you know, increase of symptoms rather than the stair step and high impact of, you know, you could be great one minute and in bed the next and not able to move. So I took the the risk to get on that. But at the same time, we started talking about the mental health piece and and how I was kind of on that roller coaster. Um, you hear about medications um, to help you kind of level out a little bit and and feel like yourself again. I was scared out of my mind to even try those. Thinking about things that mess with your brain, which is funny because I already had something messing with my brain. But I still was, it was very difficult to pull the trigger. But when somebody tells you you, your life can be 10 times better by taking this one thing, at that point you're like, yeah, okay, I'm going to try it. And thank goodness I did. Um, I'm not an advocate for medication. In fact, I wish I wasn't on any. But I am an advocate for feeling like yourself. And I was able to kind of course correct of the person that I thought I was and wanted to be with, you know, a couple pieces of medication and feeling like I could actually do life again. I think that was the hardest part is coming to terms with not only just having it, but what you have to do to maintain who you are. And 
you know, to this day, there's so many diets and exercise programs that people say, like, get on because it helps you with medication. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking easier said than done, which I think it's been a five-year battle <laughs> to, to try to do some of those things. I've been on that roller coaster too, which I think a lot of people are, no matter who you are and what you have. But, you know, at that point, I was in survival mode. So really the first 365 days is surviving and figuring out how to just live with what you have and try to be that person that, you know, wants to wake up every morning and and get going. And that was really hard, you know, and having a career, something I strived for for so long. I had this thing in my mind where I was like – man, I just want to be a director by the time I'm 35. And I did it by the time I was 30. And that was amazing. And then the same year I get diagnosed with MS and I'm like, what is the world trying to tell me? And that was hard. So the balance of keeping that secret for the first 365 days was very challenging. And I just remember thinking this is this is me. I, I'm going to make it through. I'm going to do this. And, you know, I think by the end of that first year, I started to feel a little more like myself um, after getting things more regulated and getting on the right medication and feeling like I wasn't walking through water every day. There's that symptom that is where you're walking and, you, you know, when you're in the ocean or in a pool and you're walking through the water, just kind of getting to the other side or, or playing. That's what it felt like for me just on the daily. That's how, that's how I felt walking. Um, and so I started to, to, to decrease that a little bit and the vertigo started to level out, of course, with medication. (laughs) And I started feeling freer from my disease after that first year which I'm very fortunate because a lot of people don't get diagnosed as quick. A lot of people don't figure stuff out within the first year. A lot of people aren't, you know, lucky enough to to have had that. And I feel very blessed that that was my story, that I was able to work through that. It's not any easier, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm still five years in and still feeling the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and the whirlwinds and the circles. But I was lucky enough to kind of feel like I got this and, you know, but there's this burden of holding the secret of like, I just want to shout it from the rooftops, you know, that I have it. And I started, you know, I got back on social media in in 2019 and I started to feel like, you know, maybe I can share just a little bit. So I, you know, obviously started talking about the walk and mass awareness and support, but I still never talked about that I had it um, publicly. I was so fearful that work would find out. And I had worked so hard to get to this point of, you know, this is where I want to be in my career. This is what I worked for. And, you know, I just, I couldn't do it. I held it in. I held it in for so long. And um, I think really towards that, that time frame, you know, I was going through kind of, do I tell, do I not? And, you know, my boss was actually leaving the company and I, I let him know. And we had a moment together where, oh my God, that's what you were going through for an entire year. And you didn't say anything. Um, I felt very close 
to him, had a friendship and, you know, he had supported me so much throughout my career. And, um, it was such a sense of relief to finally get it off my chest to someone. And it was just at that time frame where I remember there was a, a VP of HR at Microsoft who was starting to let everybody know that he had MS. And I was like, well, if he can tell, I can tell. But I still was, I had that fear. And it took me a long time to be okay with it. And I I think even to this day, even with my last job, it wasn't something that I come out right and say I have MS, but I talk more openly about having an autoimmune disease. And it's more about the empathy and relatability as a, as a leader to say, we all have these things that we go through and I want to be there to support my team, my, my people. And how do I do that by staying silent? And so part of the reason why I'm talking about it now so openly too, it helps the fact that I have my own business, (laughs) but, um, it just, it's become one of those things where people want to feel connected and a part of something. And I think that that's why I'm starting to be more open, but it took me five years to get to this point. I think that things are evolving, but people still have some similar views of, you know, well, you have this and that's why you didn't do as well. And that was always in the back of my head of, I don't want, I want to tell you when I'm not okay. I don't want you to tell me when I'm not okay. Or automatically going to, to, well, you have an autoimmune disease, which is why you didn't perform. Using it as an excuse for your productivity. And I'm not saying that me myself using it, but people who are, you know, knowing and thinking that you have this and that's their go-to for why you didn't do something or why you didn't show up. And you don't always want it to be the reason. And it's probably not the reason why things are going the way that they are. Or it could be, but it's not up to someone else to make those connections or decisions for you. And I wanted so badly to say that, let me tell you when I need a break. Let me be the one to tell you I can't do something. Let me be the one to tell you that I'm unable to perform today. I think it was also a sense of control. You feel so much like you're losing control. And it's like that one thing I held on to in my career where I wanted to have all the control I built it, I molded it, I turned it into what I wanted it to be, and no one was going to take it away from me. No one was going to tell me I couldn't do it. And I think that was the other side of why I didn't want to talk about it was because I didn't want, one, to be a stigma, and two, for someone else to say, you're done. I needed to be that person to say it. I needed to be that person to to turn it around or to turn it into something else. And, you know, I firmly believe that, you know, you're only given what you can handle. And I thought to myself, well, I feel like I've been given this as an opportunity and that I can handle it. And I'm going to, I'm going to see this through for as long as I possibly can. So really that was my first year. (laughs) 
long-winded, but there's a lot of different things that are, you know, packed into that one year of feelings and emotions and thoughts. And even today that I'm still thinking about them. And I hope that, you know, you don't have to have MS to have felt that way at some point in your life. I'm sure a lot of people have. I think I had felt that a few of those things even before I was diagnosed. And, you know, I think that even today with mental health, there's a lot of things that we do and we don't talk about. So I hope this conversation was helpful for you. I hope you found some, you know, relatability in it. And I'm so happy I'm able to share with you more about my journey. And there's so many topics that I want to get into. Like I said, dating, (laughs) that's a whole other story that I think we could all relate to. Um, That'll be coming in the next couple of episodes. So thank you for joining me today. And thank you for listening. Um, This is the MS Messy Corner 